0: Welcome to About the Winelands. In this show, we'll be chatting to leaders, influencers, wine producers, restaurants, winelands mm-hmm. businesses, and other role players. Tune in every Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday for our latest episodes. You will find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram TV, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Before we start today's show, I just want to take the opportunity to say thank you to our sponsor of the show, Lisa Loves Wines. Lisa shared with me that she has a very special offer for our listeners today. I'm not sure if our listeners are aware, but Magnum-sized bottles are becoming very fashionable in Europe, and I think South Africa will follow suit shortly. So as part of her biggest, Beautiful campaign, Lisa will be offering a discount on 1.5-litre Magnums. This is also a great Father's Day gift or a birthday gift. We will leave the details and links on how to get this awesome offer inside the description. Now, on with today's show. Hi everyone and welcome back to About the Winelands. Today I'm talking to Rake Melk. Rake is the owner of um, the esteemed um, Marathi estate in Stellenbosch. Welcome to About the Winelands, Raik. It's a pleasure. Thanks very much for inviting me, Willem. That's very kind of you. No, it's our pleasure talking to you. Thanks for taking time out of your busy life. How is um life treating you um in with your whole lockdown situation and everything? Are you guys coping?
1: Yeah, no, I think we you know we trying to think out the box, trying to make the best of the situation. Um, and you know what, there's a couple of things. One thing is you, you learn how to perhaps box a bit smarter. Secondly, um with all the time on hand, it's funny how family time suddenly becomes very relevant again. Uh, I don't think I have consumed so many bottles of wine on 68 consecutive nights in my life before. <laughs> but um, we've had some really good family time, good chats and all that. And um, that's made it special. The, the stress levels are obviously high. But at this time, you know, you start valuing what you've got around you and how actually how privileged we are. So there is positive stuff in this.
0: Oh, that's amazing. You know, Mirati is such a special place. I remember from my students' days, it was one of the first places that we used to go on to um wine tours. So um uh, I'd love to hear, and I know our, our listeners would love to hear a little bit of the history of Mirati and you know the, the piece of heritage you have there. Can you tell us a little bit more?
1: Yeah, look, I mean that's you know the um if if one if you Come and visit us at Mirati. Anybody, everybody's welcome. Um, what we do, I try if they make sp- special appointments, then I will sit and chat about the history because you know this place needs you need time to come here, really. It shouldn't be a whistle stop tour because we've got we've got so much history here. You know, if you think back of um well, we date back to the year 1685. So um it's uh, we've what we did was my mother uh, back in nineteen eighty seven when the milks my father only bought the farm back from Anami, the spinster uh, my mother got a professor dr Elena Scheffler from u c t to do a proper research on the farm so she elena spent about a year in the archives and basically came up with this manuscript of the history and it was so beautiful and rich that um, that is how we have taken Mirati forward from that research project she did Um, and that's where also a few years ago about eight years ago I decided that I would start naming our wines after people that lived here over the past 300 years so Mirati was established in the year 1685 so as a, as a privately owned family farm, we, you know, in the top five or so of um, oldest privately owned wine estates around in the country. Um, and the history started with a, a certain German soldier called Lorenz Kampfer, who left the, the, the armed forces. He was a mercenary and was granted this land by Gouverneur Simon van der Stel. And with instructions in Groot-Hollands, beplanten, bepoorten, betimmeren, and Zion, And that is what he did here. So he came, cleared some land, tilled the soil um, with the instructions given to him. But the problem that he had was, while he was a soldier based at the Cape, uh, his barracks were very close to the slave quarters and to the gardens of the Cape. And there he met... um, a little slave girl who was working in the gardens and her name was Ansela. And this little girl Ansela was born in the slave house. Um, Her mother was uh, uh, taken from Guinea in West Africa in the year 1658 and put on a slave ship called Amersfoort. And that ship sailed via Guinea to Angola and then to the Cape and in 1658, 120 slaves were brought here and Ansela's mother was one of them. So Ancella was born, she was a product of the slave lady and probably a soldier or a sailor, that we don't know. But the point was, Ansela was born in the castle, in the dungeon, given a name. And in those days, any slave born at the Cape, the surname was always Funder Karp, so that the Dutch officials knew where the slaves came from. So we know about Anthony from Bengala, he came from Bengal, and so we knew where the people came from. So this little Ansella, she grew up, she grew up in the in the uh, uh, slave house. and then when she was old enough, she had to work in the gardens where they grew all the vegetables, which supplied all the Dutch vessels sailing to the east. And that's where Learns met her. So learnars then comes out to Mirati. At that time it was called the Driesprong. He starts his farming career here, his life. But his girlfriend, the love of his life, Ansela, clearly could not join him because she was a slave. So, And you know, Mirati is just outside Stellenbosch. And it's about, what, 35, 40 k's from Cape Town as a crow fly. So what Lawrence had to do in order to see Ansella at the slave house was he had to walk on foot three days to Cape Town. And the the non slaves had visitation rights so they could visit the slaves in the slave house. And what happened in the evening was eight o'clock at night they would take a roll call and check in all the slaves, and then at nine o'clock they would ring a bell and all the non slaves were thrown out of the slave house. So Lawrence did this, Lawrence did this, um, for a period of 10 years, and um. After 10 years of visiting her, um, Ancella really obviously wanted to join him here at Mirati. So Ancella had to do a few things. And that was, firstly, she had to become a Christian. So she had to have herself christened. Secondly, she had to be able to speak Dutch fluently. And thirdly, she had to prove to the governor that she would be of no financial burden to the governor. So Lawrence obviously said, okay, he will cover cover that base. She could speak Dutch, and she was christened. So they set her free. And on the 28th of June, 1695, Lawrence fetched her at the slave house, brought her to Mirati with the children now that she had by him, Cornelius, Yakuba, and Acheniki. And they were the first rightful owners of Mirati back in the time. Interestingly enough, um, after... When the title deed was signed over, it was 33 days after Simon van der Stel took control of the Cape. So uh, <coughs> that gives you an idea of um, of um, <coughs> what what was going on. Um, so then they lived here, and then in 1715, 1715. Uh, <coughs> Loans passed away. And then Ansela became the owner. So it's quite unusual though for an emancipated slave to become the owner of a little wine farm or a little little farm at the time. So Ansela took over and she ran Mirati until the year 1735. And then she sold the farm. To give you an idea, when she sold it, she sold the farm for 2,500 Dutch gilder. And to put that in perspective, a mercenary based in the barracks in the Cape was earning 25 kilda a year at the time. So wow. Ancella, you know, <clears throat> did quite well for herself in her life. And then there were quite a few owners, very sporadic few owners. And then the next important one for me or for the Milk family is that in the year 1763, my ancestor, Martin Melk, who came from from Ostpreuse, from Prussia. He bought Mirati in 1763 and gave it to his daughter, Anna Katharina. And at that time, when Martin Melk bought it, he owned all the property at the foot of the Simonsburg mountain, which then included 8K, Kanonkop, Mirati, Delheim, and Knurk. This was all one big farm that the Melks ran. So Anna-Katerina married a guy by the name of Bayers, which Anna-Katerina's father was in favor of, because like Martin Melk, uh, Mr. Bayers was a staunch Lutheran. And I'm not sure if you know, but Martin Melk, uh, at the time when he bought Mirarat, he was a very big player in the Cape. In fact, I think he was the wealthiest man at the Cape at the time, because he owned a lot of property, he was in construction, he owned all three can you believe it all three top hosts of the Sensi. so basically all three pubs in cape town that supplied wine to the sailors and everybody in the cape he had the rights to supply that so he was a really big player and um so when martin gave it to his daughter he agreed when bayers took her hand in in marriage and martin and mr bayers were both staunch Lutherans. And at that time, the Lutheran faith was forbidden, was not allowed. So in Martin's warehouse in Cape Town, still there today at Strand Street, where they would sell the produce to the sailors and the ships. On a Saturday after work, all the Lutheran people used to get together and have a hidden church service, a scale cat. And because of Mr. Bayers being part of that group, Martin was quite happy to hand his daughter over to him. So Anna-Katerina and young david Bayers, they became the owners in 1763. And then this milk clan, Bayers' milk clan, farmed here for about 120 years. And then it disappeared. And then 115 years later, in 1987, the spinster who owned it then, Alberta Annemarie, she then phoned my father because she knew my dad. Because as a young winemaker, my dad studied winemaking, as a young winemaker, he used to come to Mirati to buy grapes from her for Stellenbosch Farmer's winery. So Alberta knew the history. So when she turned 79, she phoned my father and said, look, I have no children, I have no next of kin, and I would like you to take the farm back into the family fold with a few conditions. And that is that, number one, you would continue in the tradition that she and her late father George Paul Carnes, had farmed the place um, and also to respect the environment. And um, my dad was only too glad to oblige. And as you asked earlier, and that's what I'm doing now, I'm, I'm here, I see myself purely as a custodian of this magnificent place with these 300 year old trees, uh, incredible terroir at the foot of the Simonsburg mountain. And um, and yeah, that's what I do. Every day I get up here, I look out northwest, I see Table Mountain, I can give you the weather report in the morning of what's coming, like that northwest coming in right now and the rain we're going to get. So it's it's a beautifully located piece of land. This. And I always say to the people, you know, um, Lawrence Comfort was granted this land. And in, in those days, we might think they were old or those people was in the dark days, but they were clever. He had all the land to choose from. But he chose this little piece at the mm-hmm. foot of Simonsburg. So he was clever. And I can tell you when I sit there at his old house, which still stands today, which today is an art gallery. I often sit outside his little, his house there in um, the evening. And there's such an incredible energy there. You know, there are trees around me there that are planted by loaves. And so um, hope- the energy there is really special there.
0: Interesting about the trees is I actually um, watched the um, history of the slave trading in Cape Town um, not long ago, and um, I think in the program they said that the tree that um, these two were married are still are they on the farm, the, the old oak trees yeah. yeah.
1: so there's a magnificent tree right at our tasting room here, um, and this tree is, is uh, more than 300 years old now, and this tree would have been planted by Lawrence and Ancella. And there are two or three other ones around as well that you can see. I mean, they are of the same era. Um, so, yes, absolutely. This tree is still here. It's a uh, it's, it's magnificent, magnificent tree. And, again, I sit here quite often and there's energy there in that tree that's just, I mean, uh, it's just amazing. Really, really incredible.
0: That's amazing. You're giving, so, you're giving me
1: goosebumps as you're telling the story. So, you know, all these little things I'm telling you now. Lawrence's house is still standing here. Um, <laughs> The original little seller is still here, uh, George Paul Carnets, who owned Mirati from 1926. Um, as you might know, or might not know, but George Paul Carnets uh, was an artist, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, very much a bohemian man of note. And thirdly, he bought Mirati on a whim because he loved the trees here. That I read his journal the other day and in there he did say that he was completely blown away by these oak trees when he stumbled upon this place in 1926 and that's the reason why he bought it and then by default he had to speak because he was lecturing art at Stellenbosch university so by default he went to his his friend professor Abram Perrault and Abram Perrault was very um, friendly with all the German-speaking people because Perrault went to Germany and he met a German woman there which he married so he had a an affinity towards German-speaking folk. And he told Collins, I will help you farm this place. And so when Carnets bought it in 1926, Peralt helped him, they sent out people here to come and look at the soil, etc., and all that. And Peralt advised Collins to plant Pinot Noir. So Carnets planted Pinot Noir at Mirati in 1927. And we all know that the first Pinot Noir to Africa was made here at Mirati by George Paul Collins. So my Pinot Noir that we make here, a very small amount, but we still make it and I have named that after him. It's called the George Paul Carnage Pinot Noir. So that, you know, there's, there's a story about George here. His energy is here. He had an art studio that he built here out of clay bricks that he, that he made and he built this art studio. The size of the studio was dictated by the carpet that he put down there and this carpet a friend of his a noble friend living in Cape Town bought a grand piano in Hamburg and sent for this piano by sea and obviously to protect the piano they wrapped the piano in a big old carpet so when the piano arrived here in Cape Town harbour the carpet was slightly damaged and his friend didn't want the carpet so Carnets took the carpet brought it to Mirati put it up here outside the cellar and built his art studio around the size of the carpet. I mean, that's bizarre. And then he built this art studio, which today is a little guest cottage. So it's called the GP Connors guest cottage. So people can stay there. It's, it's just, you again, get the energy of the old man Connors. We used to paint there in the morning and the afternoons, he'd go for a walk and look at his vineyards and talk to the people who were busy helping him making wine and growing his grapes. So, you know, there's just so much around here with well, energy between the cottage, between Lawrence Comfort's house, between the oak trees, between the manor house that we have today that was built in about 1763 by um, uh, the Bayer's family. The manor house still stands there. It's exactly the same. Some minor alterations were done by George Paul Collins. But the gable is a beautiful example of a neoclassical style. It's not the Gothic style. The, the later years they were more neoclassical in the structure. They were not so elaborate, not so not so many curves and draikis. Where Mirat is a good example of a neoclassical design Cape Dutch g- the gable, basically. So the house is still standing here. It's, it's um, it's being lived in 110%. And um, it's all part of the, the verf and the feeling that we have here. When we go into the vineyards, um, because of our terroir, we made a, a conscious decision about 20 years ago that we would um, respect the nature by using no pesticides in the vineyards. We release insects that we get um, to try and fight the mealybug. We are very, very um, conscious of that. Um, uh we only pick our grapes by hand, so there's no machine tr- driving through the vineyards and harvesting. It's all done by hand. And when we bring those grapes in, it's in smaller boxes. We hand select um, on a sorting table. We berry select. Um, we use a lot of natural yeast. So for those who don't know, all the yeast grape little coral key has got its little yeast on it. So we use native yeast, yeast that's around in the cellar and in the property. Uh, we use what we call spontaneous fermentation. Um, and all these things add to give a, a character that's very much unique to Mirati. So I'm, I'm very, um, not strict, but I, I believe in that. And that is is what we do here. So we try and keep it hands-on as real as possible. And we still believe, you know, the the truth is in the wine. And the wine must honestly speak for itself. George Paul Carnets had a beautiful expression. My quote for the wine expression is always, Carnets always said, seeing is believing, but tasting is the naked truth. And that's what we abide
0: by. That's an amazing wine philosophy and um, winemaking philosophy. Um, What else can you tell us about your wines? That's interesting. Um, I see you guys are making port as well. When did this start? Yeah, look, I mean, I think you know, in the in the I call it in the sort of
1: the dark ages. That's uh, there was a bit of a dark time here in Mirati when when George Paul Connors came in here in 1927, and he had all the expertise from Peralt and he was doing some fantastic work. He uh, made fermented uh, his grapes outside the cellar in open fermenters. He used uh, a system of cold water copper pipes. He was one of the first guys that used some kind of cooling. Um, you know, in his tanks, open tanks, concrete tanks. Then he went and then he built himself, um, at those days, state-of-the-art open fermenting tanks, stackable concrete, one above the other, they were stacked. And these tanks uh, were built, they came, the architectural design came from Algeria, believe it or not, in Africa, Mm -hmm. because remember the French were involved there. So the French made wine there as well and that design they brought Carlos brought it here and so they were fermenting and making one of these uh concrete tanks um we he was quite sort of proactive and pushing the boundaries but then when alberta his daughter took over it became she didn't want to change anything she wanted to keep everything the same way her father did so in that process things slowly got watered down a bit you know, so the The red wines and the white wines, uh, some years were stunning. Other years, they were not very good at all. But Carnot started making two things. He made a fortified red, a port in those days. He called it a port, which though we can't use the word anymore, but we Mm use a Cape Vintage, Cape Ruby, late bottled Cape Vintage. And he made a white port called the Amber. Now, those two wines, because they are made by fortifying with brandy spirits, you can, to a degree, sterilize your wine. So when you do your fermentation, at a certain point, you add the brandy to it. So the brandy will kill all the yeasts and all the nasty little bacteria, and it will sterilize the product. So there's a better chance that the fortified wine will stay fresh and healthy. If you made a stall wine, be it white or red, and it was tainted with uh, acetoacid bacteria, then the wine will spoil and become vinegar. So over the years, in the town of Anami and Ben Prince, a winemaker, port, the Mirati port was a very well-known drink and definitely one of Mirati's tipples of choice. In spite of the fact that there were some stunning years of Pinot Noir, etc., and the red velvet and the claret, but the port was always, if you came here and you drank port, you knew it was going to be it was going to be a good a good bet to buy and to drink. Um, and when I came here in 1988, 89, it was the case. Everybody knew Mirati Port because Carnets uh, started making that in the, in the early 30s. So, and I totally agree, we still make a beautiful port and we spend a lot of energy with that. In fact, uh, the oldest vines we have here, port vines, were planted in the year 1977. So that's quite old. But I took it upon myself. I just said, you know, we are we are living here. We are living my my neighbours. Canonkop, my neighbours. Rustenburg, Knoruk, Delha. These are all my immediate neighbours, and they've always made beautiful wines over the years. And there's no reason why we could not do that. So, it's taken me about 20 years to grow that with new plantings and new barrels and some techniques in the cellar. But today you know it's cheeky of me to say that, but I mean the Marathi red wines are on the world class on on the stage now I'm not shy anymore to pour Marathi wines to anybody twenty five thirty years ago when I started here, it was I was never ever I, I wasn't confident in pouring the Marathi wines, but today, I'm not cocky and I'm not you know uh, big headed, but I really am modest about it, but I really I know what efforts got in here. Mm-hmm. And I know what, what honest work has been put in here, and for that reason, I can quite clearly say now that um apart from the fortified port wines the our red wines and the white wines are world class It's taken a time, but it's there beautiful
0: oh that's amazing, so right when people visit the farm i mean besides i mean obviously the wine and the art, what else can people experience there? What do you offer guests
1: well, I mean before the little virus came along, you know we my wife Kim started. Um, we just she likes cooking. You know the old story. Oh, your wife Kim, she cooks so well. Why don't you start a restaurant? You know, mm-hmm. don't you ever ever tell anybody to do that. But, um, we did it, and after four years of Kim working in the kitchen, she really grew something special here. It's not big. It's small. Say fifty covers maybe on a, on a Saturday or Sunday. But it's good, honest cooking, and Kim started that, and now we've got a little team working with her. So you can come and have a, a very nice meal here, apart from the wine tasting. Um, it's the little restaurant that we farm, kitchen, that we run here. Um, we've uh, also now built, uh, with the help of Totopia, we and Arena, built, they've built fantastic mountain bike tracks here. And uh, really, again, it's of the best tracks around the Western Cape, no doubt about it all single track cycling trail runners use it as well it is for the skilled mountain biker it's not for your the weekend warrior can come and do some of the tracks but if you really love mountain biking and you're good at that this year is absolutely stunning all the guys the overseas people team Cannondale team Scott they all come and train on these tracks for the epic so we've got beautiful mountain biking here Um, And then we started a little, well, not a little, but we're doing a joint venture with a company to do weddings here. So we had a very good, um, you know, book heading out now for this next year. But obviously the virus came and has sort of taken the carpet, ripped it out under our feet. So we just have to tread the water now until next year. But if you want to have a wedding, this is also an opportunity where you can come and do it. And what more special place to have a wedding here. I mean, it's just, you can get married under the big old 120, 150 old camphor trees and then have a a pre-drinks under Ancela's 300-year-old oak tree and then move around the corner to the canvas, the Mirati canvas, and there your view of Cape Town is just superlative. So there are a lot of things we've done over the years here, but yet we still retain... The honesty and the sincerity that this is a wine estate and our
0: focus here is to create premium wines that's awesome I mean, you've been talking about the virus and obviously the coronavirus has forced all of us to um, rethink our business models a bit Do you have any changes or new ideas in mind well I mean you know we there are a few things I think as I said to you
1: know um, small the what I think is the internet or the the IT guys, the more new way of looking at things. Uh, we do we've done a few virtual wine tastings now. This has really pushed us in the direction of Zoom meetings, doing online tastings. Um, that's been quite interesting. It's really been quite funky for me. I've, I've really enjoyed that. Um, and then we've um, I think what we'll do now in the future when the small groups come back again. Tour groups that come, and if they make an appointment, which we prefer, we could give them far more smaller special attention because I think um, the Marathi history you know, should be told more often to the people and uh, not just to come in here, oh, let's taste four or five wines and move on, but rather come here and spend some time, listen to the stories, taste the wines, and, and absorb the whole package instead of just saying, "Ah, oh, well, we're going to do three wines and then we're going to scoot off. So rather come here with your mind. I want you to learn about the place. I want to learn about the history. Um, If you don't, if you're not a big lover of wine, it doesn't really matter, but come and listen to the stories, taste the wines. You will be surprised you might love them. Um, So these are all things for me that I find with the virus now is that, you know, people are looking at things again from a different angle. Uh, People walk past the Protea now and they stop and they go back and say, wow, look at this Protea. Isn't it beautiful? Where in the past they'd walk past and say, oh, well, there's another, you know, one of the Western Cape's flowers and carry on. But we've, that's me, maybe I'm becoming old and sentimental. But I do think that this has made us think a bit more about what we want to do and where we are and our policy about everything in life.
0: Well, I think um, you're right. And I also think that, you know, technology gives us the opportunity to record and keep these stories and raise awareness about the fantastic offerings we have in the Western Cape. Through other avenues, right? Which will, which will bring more people to come actually experience it in person over time.
1: Yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. No doubt. Um, I mean, no, we, we travel, we all, you know, I, I, when I go overseas to sell wine, I try and go and see places and all that. And I see how other people do it and I compare what we do. And I still think, you know what, there's room to be... Um, st- uh, small is also beautiful. Um, and just be sincere about what you do and it will pay off you know that's my motto really uh.
0: so rick your wine journey has been a i mean a lifelong one but what is your most important thing that you've learned through this journey
1: well as you can quite clearly hear from my conversation with you is 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 um there are a few things i mean for me that the biggest thing is is that you know making wine is um Anybody can make wine, anybody can ferment grapes, anybody can put it in a bottle and you can put a label on there and you can tell a beautiful story and the consumer will probably read your story and listen to your story and maybe be blown away initially by what you say. But at the end of the day, the consumer needs to taste the wine and feel whether they like it or not and does everything gel with them. This all makes sense. So what I'm trying to say is marketing is a very important part of your product. But at the end of the day, still, what you put in the bottle, you need to be proud of what you've done, and be sincere in what you do. Um, that's basically what Hutting, uh, our winemaker, and myself, and my team with Desmond—that's what we do here—is the sincerity, honesty, integrity in the winemaking. You have to do it. You—you you, you don't get two or three chances. You know, it's—it's it's, you have to be real
0: and stay true to your choice and your ideas and what you do awesome so yeah, i mean you've touched on it already but i'm going to ask you again to give us your um favorite wine quote because i loved it no I, as i say elman Collins. i wish i'd
1: met him his yeah. daughter anime i knew uh, the principle but elman khanans you know that these are little things seeing is believing tasting is the naked truth that is what our motto is it's um
0: that's what you have to believe in yeah. Oh, awesome Rick. it's been such a pleasure talking to you and i think people are going to find this our listeners will find this extremely interesting how do people find you if they want to get hold of you whatever how do they get hold of you they must just come to me right look for this grumpy egg with the long hair that walks around you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay no, right. you
1: know what e- easily our, our, our website's very easy it's just you know www.mirati.co.za We've got a great website. I've got a lovely team here. Lawrence in the tasting room. Desmond is our sales and marketing guy. And then Hutting, my winemaker, and, and, and the assistant winemaker, and our team in the vineyards. We're a small group, but uh, anybody who comes here and asks, where's Hutting, where's Rake, where's Desmond? They will all be able to tell you where we are. So it's a, it's a nice family, you know, working family that lives and works here. Now.
0: Okay, well, we'll put the links um, in the description. And thank you very much. Um, I appreciate your time. I know you guys are busy. And um, good no luck,
1: luck. to everything. And and yeah, and as we said, you know, we'll do a little promotion on the magnums now, so people can just follow up on that. We do a for this season now for the winter when, and all the COVID time, we'll give a a, a, a discount on our magnums. We're doing this promotion, so they can just get in touch, you know, with with you or Lisa, and um, and that's a nice a nice little project we'll do as well. So there's some little surprise in there as well.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Rob all right great pleasure keep well thank you for listening to today's show just a quick reminder that you can get that 1.5 liter magnum discount so hurry get in touch with lisa um she's at lisa loves wines and we have the link in the description